97.9 The Hill, WCHL, and the UNC Hussman School of Journalism and Media present Sports Focus with Charlie Tuggle. Sports Focus, dedicated to in-depth examination of issues of overriding importance in the sports world. Each week, we'll discuss problems and look for solutions in professional, collegiate, and amateur sports. From Carroll Hall on the Carolina campus, here's your host, UNC journalism professor, Charlie Tuggle. Welcome to Sports Focus. Our topic today, the craziness surrounding college football in 2020. Our guest, Chris Kaur, former director of football recruiting in the SEC and a PhD candidate at the University of South Carolina. So, Chris, recruiting, right? A lot of things go into recruiting, but there are a couple of big ones. One of them is success. So is it any surprise that Alabama and Clemson continue to recruit well because they continue to have great success on the field. Yeah, well, Charlie, first off, thanks for having me. And, and, and to jump right into your question, yeah, not surprising at all, right? Um, the correlation between success in terms of winning and everything else after that, right? That, that's the thing that comes first. So definitely the, the, the correlation between success and, and recruiting is there, success and having the best facilities, success and having the most most revenue, the most uh, ticket sales, things like that absolutely is there for sure. All right. So uh, Syracuse is playing Clemson this week, the sacrificial lamb this week. <laughs> Dino Babers said two things there t- when he was talking about everybody's chasing Clemson, including Alabama. He said there are two things, success and facilities. How important are facilities in recruiting? Yeah, that, absolutely important. And, and that's something in, interesting right now with um, in the midst of a pandemic with we've been on a nine month dead period, which means no one can can visit campus. Right. No, no recruit can go to campus. So the effect of facilities, while usually extremely important when when prospects, high school prospects are visiting campus, that's kind of been mitigated a little bit because prospects aren't on campus. They're not allowed to meet with coaches in person. They're not allowed to go on official visits, uh, things like that. That's kind of mitigated the importance of facilities. But when things get back to normal and in the past, for sure, having a, a, a top tier facility, an indoor facility, um, all the bells and whistles, for lack of a better term, is extremely important when you're trying to get the appeal of, of, of a high school aged athlete. Right. You can think back to when you were in high school and things that might have been important to you or looked cool to you. Those are things that still look cool and are important to athletes today. Yeah. So the recruits can't come on campus, but of course the, the uh, current athletes are, are there mm-hmm. because they're preparing and getting ready for games. So when they're maybe on the phone or whatever, talking to a recruit, it's like, Hey gosh, this thing we have. And uh, you know, we have indoor volleyball courts and we have this and that and the other. So even without the recruits being able to see it, they're still getting the word of who has the really nice stuff. Definitely. And, and I've heard a lot about programs going to these virtual visits. So it's essentially um, you're on FaceTime, Skype, uh, Duo, whatever it might be. And a, a recruiter or a coach is walking you through the facility. So absolutely, you're still getting a feel for it. You're seeing, um, you know, current players on the team. As a recruit, you're seeing current players on the team getting their haircut in, in, in the facility barbershop, right? Or uh, playing video games in the team room, something like that. You're still exposed to it, but it is a little different just because you're not, it's not tangible. You're not seeing it in person and, and interacting with it in person. 
One of the things that I thought would really take hold, and, and it seems like it hasn't, at least not yet, is uh, I guess you've heard this. UCF built a lazy river for mm-hmm. football players only. Recovery. I mean, that's that's going to the extremes of trying to <laughs> trying to recruit high school athletes to come to your program. Absolutely. Um, their big thing was doing something that embraces the culture of, of Central Florida, right? And what more than palm trees and a, a pool and being outdoor in the sunshine, right? And um, that that's absolutely something that they think encapsulates what the University of Central Florida is. And I mean, you can't really argue with them, right? It kind of is, you know? <laughs> yeah, so we talked about the two big things in recruiting, one being facilities, the other being success. Let's jump back to Clemson. Uh, mentioned Dino Babers talking about everybody's chasing Clemson. So Syracuse, uh, and I also mentioned the sacrificial lamb. Clemson is a 46.5 point favorite. That's the largest spread in Syracuse history when yeah. both teams are, are division one. So can you imagine being on the receiving end of a 46.5 point spread? It's, I, I would say it's disrespectful, but I mean, after what Clemson did to Georgia tech last weekend, it might not be, um, it might be the odds makers being smart. Um, uh, and giving their giving themselves a lot of room, uh, yeah, I, I I can't imagine it's got to be a little extra motivation, right? Uh, but but still covering this covering a forty six points, I mean forty six points. If, even if you cover the spread, you you still could be getting blown out by forty points. So I don't know how much motivation it really could be. Yeah, so I guess the goal these days is to stay within fifty of Clemson. There you go. It's it's a track meet, definitely every game they play. Uh, Virginia actually did make it reasonably close, but, uh, gosh, last week against Georgia Tech, it was, uh, you know, when that game started, I'm thinking, oh, Tech, maybe you can make a game out of this. And it's like, oh, that lasted about a second. Yeah, I think it was Trevor Lawrence through, uh, what was it, five touchdowns in the first half. Um, that, that's a pretty good day, and he had a, another 30 minutes to go. I think with, with the pandemic, too, and another interesting thing is, Offenses are definitely way ahead of defenses, right? And and offenses are definitely clicking across the country. Even in the SEC, we see high point totals. Um, Alabama Ole Miss, it was 60 to 40, right, against that stingy Alabama defense. So I think defenses are catching up as they get more practice time, but offenses are definitely way ahead. Sports Focus, we'll be right back. You're listening to Sports Focus with Charlie Tuggle. And now, back to the show. Welcome back to Sports Focus. We're talking with Chris Korn. We're talking about the craziness uh, surrounding college football. The first blog, the craziness was, can anybody stay with Clemson? And, uh, Chris, the, the next one, let's talk about, again, using Clemson as an example. They're about to play game six. Mm-hmm. Game six. The Big Ten starts up this weekend. Game one. The Pac-12 doesn't start up until November 7th. Yeah. How do you make sense out of rankings and, uh, you know, bowl pairings and uh, championship and all that with such crazy schedules going on? Well, I'm, I'm glad I'm not on the college football selection committee, even more so than usual, right? Because no matter what they do this year, they're going to be criticized. Uh, it, it'll be really interesting. And the thing that kind of jumps out to me with the Big Ten and the Pac-12 having – no bye weeks is you don't give yourself any flexibility for what we've seen happen in other conferences. Uh, the SEC this this past weekend, there, there were two games canceled because of 
um, COVID-19 outbreaks on teams. The Florida and Missouri each canceled their, their home games. I think that not having a bye week with, with the Pac-12 and the Big Ten is going to be really interesting if there is an outbreak and, and going from playing 10 games to now you're playing nine games to what if, what if you have two or three, right? Which is extremely possible, especially as we get into kind of the colder winter months here. The, the, the experts would tell you some, 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 some virus concerns could rear their heads again. I, I think that could be really interesting to see kind of how short the season actually gets and the decision that the college football selection committee is going to have to make at the end of the day between a team that might have only played seven or eight games and a team that's played 10 or 10 or 12. Another sort of crazy item in my mind uh, related to uh, this season is fans in the stands. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I, I looked at not the, not the Alabama Georgia game, but the Georgia game the week before. And it's like, look at all those people. That's a, that's a lot of people in the stands versus say North Carolina, which until this past uh, we didn't have anybody yeah. in the stands. And you mentioned Florida. Uh, the Florida coach basically said, you know, the, the fans in the stands made a big difference in our game. And I want lots of fans in the stands, but the coaches don't get to make these decisions. No. And, and it's really interesting. Um, that was uh, Dan Mullen, Florida's coach, said that after playing in Bryan College Station at Texas A&M after their game, where um, from from a viewership perspective, it did look like the stadium was pretty packed and, and fans weren't six feet apart or socially distanced even though the attendance was only listed at 19,000 or whatever it does, it, whatever it was in Kyle field, really interesting. And, and on, on in jest kind of, you know, it's not fun. It's not surprising. The sec kind of went bigger than, um, than maybe North Carolina and ACC school, right. And, and kind of jumping the gun and maybe allowing a lot more fans than some other conferences, some other leagues. That's, that's not surprising, right. The sec has branded itself as um, it's bigger. It means more, it's better. Right. Um, it's not surprising at all. Uh, I, I do think that's really interesting as well. And in, in, in the coaches don't have the decision, but they're pushing for it. And, and specifically staying with Florida, you see Dan Mullen continually pushing for that. And while he's come out and apologized for the comment last week after the coronavirus outbreak within his program, it, it is the athletic director's decision. But then beyond that, it's, it's state officials, it's university officials and in Florida specifically, the, the governor has stated that um, there are no crowd restrictions at all, but we still see all the college teams in, in Florida adhering to that, even the professional teams um, sticking with around 20% capacity. So yeah, it, it is kind of an interesting balancing act, if you will, between the athletic department at an individual institution, the university officials at that institution, the state, um, local health officials. Uh, it is interesting to see how different programs are kind of getting along. Yeah. And, you know, you, I can see Mullen's point though, because, you know, if you're, if you played three or four games in front of 1500 people, and then you go play one in a hostile environment in front of 20,000, that makes a difference. Sure. Your, your team isn't prepared for that at all. Yeah, I absolutely agree. So uh, is that part of the, the, uh, you know, we're branding this, the craziness of college football. Is that part of, all the craziness, the difference in fan attendance, the difference in uh, preparations, the difference in uh, well, this week we have a game, this week we don't because of COVID. 
can can 2020 get any weirder i guess is what i'm asking <laughs> i i don't know if it I, i'm sure it can just because it has every month right some news come along um but it definitely has been been really crazy the um the 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 practice is really interesting in that uh, just about every school i can think of has had a, an outbreak of some sh of some sort that's delayed practice or a coach isn't allowed to practice. You think about Alabama last week, that's arguably their biggest game of the year, right? It's two versus three in the rankings against Georgia. And, and that was have, the big news going in. Yeah, it's they don't have Nick Saban going to be on for, the sidelines. Exactly. They don't have their head coach for half the week of practice. Like we, we see Florida right now hasn't, um, you know, before Texas A&M, the, the loss there, they were a top five team and talked about as a playoff contender. Now they haven't practiced in eight days. So I, I think that's really interesting that you're getting these extended periods of, I mean, eight days is an eternity for a team not to be on the field, right? So um, especially when going back to talking about defenses needing to catch up and, and get on the same page, which we've definitely seen, it's definitely crazy. And, and I actually could see it getting a little crazier as the games start to matter a little more towards the end of the season. Sports Focus, we'll be right back. You're listening to Sports Focus with Charlie Tuggle. And now, back to the show. Welcome back to Sports Focus. We're talking about the craziness in college football in 2020, and we're talking with Chris Core, a PhD candidate at the University of South Carolina and uh, formerly a recruiting coordinator in the SEC. So we've, we've talked uh, a good bit about Clemson, and we've talked about the uh, SEC, and we talked about Alabama and Clemson really being the – you know, the jewels again this year, but, uh, and whether even Alabama is chasing Clemson yeah. one area, Chris, that, that the sec reigns supreme is in TV ratings. Yeah. The Alabama Georgia game, 9.6 million on average. It topped out at 12 point something million. That's the highest rating non NFL sporting event since the return from COVID. Mm -hmm. So, uh, you know, as far as being a ratings giant, the big marquee games in the SEC really kind of rule the day. Yeah. And why is that? I, I, I think a lot of that is um, you get, you get really highly ranked and, and much publicized teams in, in addition to the alumni bases and, and all that things. But I think, teams in other conferences have that stuff, right? The, the national appeal, the, the huge alumni base. I think what you get is you get these highly, highly, you get great personalities and you get highly ranked teams playing each other. So every week you get a, a maybe a top 10 matchup or a top 25 matchup at the least. You get multiple of those in the SEC every week. Um, I, I think there's six or seven SEC teams ranked. So just naturally – you're going to have two or three or four games a week where ranked teams are playing each other in a game that matters and has a lot of appeal where, I, I mean, the, the best game in the ACC last week arguably was, and, and this might be a sore subject, especially for your, your listeners, North Carolina, Florida state maybe was the best game, but what did that, the, the, there's not much appeal. Florida state season's already over. Right. And it's, it's not a big game in, 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 in that, Georgia and Alabama's number two versus number three, right? Um, Clemson playing Georgia Tech or Syracuse, right? We're, we're all waiting for Clemson to play Notre Dame, right? That, that's the game that, that is going to be that ranked top 
ACC team versus another top ranked ACC team. Um, I think that the ranking of, of top teams playing each other every week, you get a marquee matchup and, and it's in the, it's called the premier conference for a reason, right? You've got a, a, a third of the, of the teams ranked in the top 25 come from one conference. And I think that's what really draws that appeal and, and, and makes the SEC the most viewed conference in football. Yeah, you mentioned a couple of games. UNC FSU uh, started out as a blowout yeah. by FSU. Yeah. Clemson Georgia Tech wound up being a blowout for uh, 95% of the game. Yeah. So you can see why the ratings might be down on those, but still that 1.4, that's that's poor. Yeah. Georgia Alabama is a 5.3, but that was the only game in the whole country that had a high rating than two. So mm-hmm. it's not like every SEC game is going to do that. It's just that marquee matchup, whatever that happens to be in that particular weekend. Yeah, and, and really interesting to think about. Well, we saw this with the NBA this summer. Um, we, we're seeing this with baseball, a continued pattern. Viewership and sports being down overall and what the reason for that is. Um, there's a lot of different answers. None of them really concrete. Nobody really knows for sure. But I, I think that's really interesting to think about that we've been clamoring for sports for, for six months into the summer and now they're back and the viewership is lower. And I, that is something, a, a, a talking point that I think is interesting and, and we'll, we'll be researched and studied and we'll figure out maybe what that is, but something kind of an interesting thing we're seeing so far with college football as well. So that's a PhD dissertation subject for you, I guess. Is, uh, <laughs> there, there, what happened? There you go. That's perfect. Yeah, because everybody was saying, "Oh my gosh, when it comes back, the ratings are going to be through the roof," and they've actually, in many cases, been through the basement. Yeah, and uh, across sports, across leagues, professional college, it is really interesting, right? And whatever that reason is, um, it'll be interesting when when someone right researches it, like you said, maybe a an eager PhD student will jump on that. All right. So you, you mentioned earlier that you thought things could actually get crazier uh, based on what, based on that we have two leagues that haven't even started playing yet. And who knows what's going to happen with this team can't play this week. And this team can't play next week. And one team is three and one and the other teams seven and two, <laughs> you know, how do you make sense of that? Sure. And, and that's exactly what I mean. I, I, I think when you get into um, if we have a traditional bowl season and it, w- when we have the college football playoff and you could have a, a team that's played seven games play in a team that plays 12 games. I think that's fascinating. Right. And just from a, a durability, a fatigue standpoint, a, um, a, a, a experience right in, in playing multiple games and I think that'll be really interesting to see as we go along. And I think that'll make it even crazier for sure of, of just complete unknowns going against each other teams that may be super tested over 12 games and teams that might have a ton, just a loaded with question marks only playing seven or eight. I think that'll make it a really kind of, it'll, I think it'll be fun. <laughs> the pandemonium will be fun. It'll be different than usual, but it, I think it will make it a lot of fun, but it'll be really interesting to see for sure as we move through the season here. So uh, we aptly uh, labeled this show the craziness of 2020, <laughs> and that craziness, it seems, will continue. And that does it for this edition of Sports Focus. Thanks to our guest, Chris Kaur. Thanks also to producer Ed Trench. And as always, thanks to you for listening. <laughs>
Cheers. Thanks to Richard Southall, Mark Nagel, and Deborah Southall at the College Sport Research Institute at the University of South Carolina for their research and guidance and for access to CSRI's international network of sources. Sports Focus is a service of UNC's Hussman School of Journalism and Media.